Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Into a new series. We're going to enter into the series called Return. Um, and <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this or not, but this last week, the church as a whole, the church with a capital C kind of around the world, entered into a season called Lent. And this season of Lent is this place, and it's this space where uh, we get to repent, where we get to fast, and where we get to return to God. Now, for some of us, the, the idea of Lent or the season of Lent might have a, just kind of like a bad taste in our mouth because it reminds us of just like really formal uh, religiosity. And we see people that participate in Lent, and we're just like, but shouldn't we be in repentance all year round? And to that, I say, yeah. Yeah, we should be in repentance all year round, but there's also something incredibly good about entering into a season where we are intentionally examining our souls and intentionally examining our hearts around this question of where am I far from God? How can I return back to the heart of God? And so the season of Lent is the space where we can begin to name kind of the places of death in our hearts and our souls. Kind of begin to name the places where if I were to continue to participate in some of these actions and some of these things that I find myself in, in my daily rhythms, in my daily walk, in my daily life, if I were to continue in that place, it would lead me to this place to where my soul is just being crushed, to where I'm feeling exhausted and tired and kind of overburdened. And so Lent is the season where we get to come together and just say that we can stop entering into those places, and where we can enter into this place of returning home, of returning back to God. Because we all have kind of, in seasons of life, ended up in a place where we've looked back and we've wondered, how did we end up here? How did we end up here? And we, and we say, life did not turn out the way that we expected, the way we wanted, or the way we hoped. And we kind of have this feeling of just being far away from home. And this season of Lent is an invitation to, that says, just come home. Come back home. You have permission to name the things that are killing you, that are bringing death to your soul, and you have permission to leave those things. You have permission to come from death into this place of life. And I want you to know that in this season of life, that no matter how far away from home you found yourself, that there is a God who is gracious enough who wants to confront you in that space, not just confront you, but actually to confront the death that you're experiencing in that space. He doesn't want to just like overlook that death. He doesn't want to just overlook your trial and just say, oh, it's okay, and like set it aside. No, he wants to hit it head on, and he wants to head it on personally. He wants to say that death, that suffering, that loss that you're experiencing in your life, I want to take that on personally through my son and nail it to the cross, and I want to make a public spectacle of it, and I want to set you free from the things that are leading you to death and sucking away your life. He wants that for you. He wants that for us. He wants to confront those places of death in our life. He also wants you to know that he is striving after you. A lot of times we feel like, especially in a season where we're saying we're going to return to God or we're going to turn home, like we start using this language of like, I need to find God, of like, I need to search out and find him. And what I want us to be challenged with this morning is that we have a God who is in incredible pursuit of us, and he's seeking to find us. And he is on the prowl. He is 
on your heels, and he wants you to know that he is right there behind you. He just wants you to turn and receive the gift of life and love that he has for us. He wants us to turn and put away the things of death that we're practicing in and move towards him. And God is right there. I don't want us to feel that God is far away or that God is distant, but what I want us to sense in this season is that God is incredibly near, and all we need to do is almost like wake up to that. To almost just open our eyes and come alive and accept the life that he is offering. And so the question to us this morning is, those things that are leading us to death, are you willing to say no to them? Are you willing to stop participating in them? And are you willing to turn towards life that Jesus is offering you with his hands that have been pierced as he's been resurrected to new life? What's awesome is that the season of Lent has kind of this trajectory. It has this trajectory of death to life. And so this Lenten season, it began on Wednesday. It began on Wednesday on this place called Ash Wednesday. And maybe you've seen some people with some like black stuff smudged on their head. And, um, and you might look at them and be like, man, those people are pretty over-religious. Like, they've got, they, they got to smear themselves and just show the world how religious they are. But what they're doing is that they're anointing their head with ash. And this anointing with ash is something that's been practiced throughout the Bible, even into the Old Testament. And so when Jonah, the prophet, goes into Nineveh, and he tells the people that God has brought judgment upon them and that he's going to destroy their city, one of the things that the people in Nineveh do is they anoint themselves with ash in repentance. They're saying, woe is me, I'm going to return back to God. I'm going to turn away from the things of death and destruction in my life, and I'm going to turn towards things of life. And they begin that journey through a symbol of anointing their heads with ash. Now, it's something that seems really foreign and, and kind of removed from us, and it's something that we see in formal religion, but there's also this sense that in anointing ourselves with ash, we are saying that we are dust. And that one day we're going to return to dust as well. It's this kind of confrontation of our mortality. And our mortality is something that we don't like to be confronted with. We don't like to be confronted with the fact that someday we're going to die. And someday we are going to return to dust. But the good news is that our story doesn't end with dust, just as Lent doesn't end with ash and being anointed with ash and starting there. But instead... (laughs) Lent moves to this trajectory of Easter Sunday, of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, where Jesus has been dead, he's been buried for three days, and he comes out of the tomb resurrected in full life. And so Lent ends on Easter morning with a celebration of life, of Jesus coming forth from the tomb, of knowing that someday, yes, we might return to dust, but someday he's going to take that dust, kind of like from the image of Ezekiel, and bring it together, and he's going to put together bones, and he's going to put together ligaments, and he's going to put together a full body again. He's going to breathe life into that body, and there's going to be life eternal beyond the grave. Now, the message of Lent is also that that life that's present eternal when Jesus comes resurrected, he's also saying there's life right here and right now being offered to you. So that in those places where you experience death, destruction, decay in your soul today, that he is welcoming you to return from that the hope of the resurrection isn't just for someday somewhere else where we get new bodies and we end up in heaven but the hope is for right here right now and i want us to see that by entering into kind of this six-week series that we call return 
And so we're going to look through the Old Testament prophets. There's no greater place an invitation to return in the Bible than by looking at the prophets, especially the minor prophets. And so that's where we're going to spend our time. And this morning, we're going to begin with the book of Hosea. So Hosea is in the Old Testament. It's <laughs> just after, I think, Ezekiel. I could be wrong. I don't remember my order. Anyway, so Hosea. Hosea is this prophet. He's a prophet of God, and he has an incredible story. This, <laughs> this guy, Hosea, he's called by God to marry a harlot, and he does. And in his marriage, this woman is incredibly unfaithful to him and returns to her harlotry, not once, not twice, but over and over again to where she bears three children through her actions because of her promiscuity. She then continues in her harlotry to the point to where she's sold kind of into slavery. And this becomes her profession, it becomes her job, and this is what she's doing all the time. And God then goes to Hosea and he's like, hey, you know that woman that you, I told you to marry? She's in slavery. I know that you know this. You need to go buy her out. You need to redeem her and restore her as your wife. And Hosea does it. And the reason why God is using the prophet Hosea in this way is to be this image of his love that he has for his people, Israel, who also has acted and played the part as the harlot. And I think that when we read the story and when we read the words of Hosea, we also find ourselves in the story playing the same role as Hosea's wife, as Israel, as someone who has turned away from God and who has thought to themselves, I will find fulfillment and joy in life in some place other than God. And so this morning I want to dive into this story. And so I want us to turn to Hosea chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 5 through 8. Starting with verse 5, it says this, it says, For their mother has played the harlot. She has conceived them and has acted shamefully. For she said, I will go after my lovers, who will give me bread and water and wool and flax and oil and drink. Therefore, I will hedge up my herd with thorns. This is God speaking. He says, I will hedge, up my, I will hedge her up with thorns, and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. She will pursue her lovers, but not overtake them. She shall seek them, but she will not find them. Then she will say, I will go and I'll return to my first husband, for it was better for me than it is now. And she, did not <laughs> and she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, and the oil, who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used to serve Baal. So when we look at this passage, I think there's a little bit of interpretation that needs to happen, because it's not language, it's not <laughs> presented in a way that's just like common and straightforward, to us. And so what they're saying is that the nation of Israel, Gomer, who is Hosea's wife, you and I, that we have turned away from God and that we've given ourselves <laughs> and our hopes to other things and hope that we will find true fulfillment and true life and true joy away from God. I mean, right here it says that she played the harlot and that she would go after her lovers so that she would get 
bread, water, wool, flax, oil, and drink. I mean, how much is this like us? where we want to turn away from the ways of God, and we're like, we're just going to take this shortcut here. We're going to take that shortcut there. We're going to do things that make a little bit more sense my way than God's way, and we end up in this place where it's like, well, what I really want is just self-fulfillment and to feel good about myself and to have stuff, because this is what she's talking about. She's saying, I want flax, I want bread, I want water, I want wool, I want oil. Like, they're talking about money. They're talking about food. They're talking about comfort. They're talking about clothing, which kind of leads us to this greater place of, like, belonging. Like, do I belong? Do I fit in? Do I have enough status? Do, can I fit in with the people that are around me? And so in many ways, we are like Gomer. We are like Israel that pursues these things, that pursues just maybe it's career goals, maybe it's shopping, you know, I've talked to you guys about my Amazon addiction. You know, like, I just, like, will mindlessly scroll Amazon or Facebook. They have, like, the, the shop place. And so you're, like, looking at the marketplace on, on Facebook, just scrolling, like, oh, I didn't know I needed that today. And, it, and it's only $30. Like, this is $100 normally, but it's only, someone's selling it for 30 bucks, And it's like, Rebecca, we could get this for $30. Yeah, yeah, let's get this thing. And so, like, we have this thing, and we get the thing. And I've told you about my, like, Amazon depression where, like, the box comes, and, like, the happiest moment is when you rip that box open, right? It's all downhill after that. And so you got to buy another box because it's going to come in two days, and the, like, suspense is killing you those two days when it comes because two days is just not fast enough, right? Like, we... In so many ways, are like Israel, we are like Gomer, where we're wanting to take shortcuts. Maybe it's shortcuts in our marriage. Maybe it's shortcuts in our career goals. Maybe it's we want to c- climb the corporate ladder. Maybe it's that when we get home, we just, like, check, check out in our lazy boy and, like, let our <laughs> wife or spouse or whomever, like, take care of the kids. And, like, we don't see our kids and, like, we don't care. And, like, and I get it. And we want to care, but we're just tired. Like, I just came from the season where, like, I was not present to Rebecca and Benjamin. And what it took was like Rebecca getting pregnant again for me to like wake up and to be like, I need to step up as the man in this house and like serve and be present. And so, I mean, there are all number of ways where we enter into this place where we play this harlot, where we are just like the nation of Israel, where we turn our back to God and we can feel it. We can feel it slowly after time. Like, Amazon package after Amazon package or just mindlessly scrolling, like, eventually there's just a place where it just feels empty, right? Are you with me? Like, it just, it's like, man, if I just bought this, I don't know. I don't know if it actually brings the joy that I'm looking for. There's a place where you're, like, taking a nap in the evening, and you're just like, this nap isn't actually refreshing me anyway. It's not doing the thing that I thought or hoped that it would do. And so the question is, what is it for you? How are the things that are bringing death to your life, how's it working? How's it going? The beautiful thing is that in this passage, the harlot says, it says this, it says, she pursues her lovers, she seeks them but cannot find them, and then eventually she says, I will go and return to my first husband, for it was better for me then than it is now. And there's places in our lives where I wonder where that's true, where God is calling us to return back to him because it's better to be in his presence than it is anywhere else 
where this death and destruction and this kind of like soul-sucking energy exists in our lives. And what language does this like bring up into your mind, your imagination, this idea of like, I should return back because it's better there. I'm brought to the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, he's spent all of his father's money. He's spent his inheritance that he asked for in advance. He's starving. He's hungry. He's with the pigs. And he's like, you know what? If I just went home, I would at least have a full stomach. I could at least go back and be one of my father's slaves, one of my father's servants. And so he returns back out of selfish ambition, just as the harlot does here. Like the harlot doesn't be like, oh, you know what? My husband loved me really well. It took really good. I love my husband. You don't see that. You do see, though, that she understands that there is love coming from her husband, that there's something about her husband that is better there in that place. Same thing with the prodigal son. You don't see the prodigal son where he's like, I love my dad so much that I'm just going to go back home. But he's like, there's something about my dad that is able to fulfill me in a way that I cannot be fulfilled in any other way. And so because of that reason, I'm going to go back. There's selfish reasons, and it's okay. In this season of Lent, in the season of returning, in the season of confessing, I want to give permission to say that it's okay to go back to God for wrong reasons. Because the reality is, is that it's better to be in God's presence than anywhere else. It just is. It's better to put away those things of death. And like when you show up and you experience the love of God and you allow him to shower you, you allow him to put his robe on you, his ring on you, to kill the fatted calf for you as it happens for the prodigal son, it's like there where we get caught up in just the love and the grace and the goodness of our God. And we are just returned back to this, this love and adoration of who God is. But this initial step of returning like, I just want you to know, it's okay. It's okay for you to be like, it isn't working. It isn't working like I hoped it would. And I'm going to turn back. I'm going to return to the one who's able to fulfill me the most. And so <laughs> when we continue in this passage, kind of after verse 8, what God does is that he lists a bunch of warnings to Israel. He's saying all of this destruction is going to come upon you if you don't turn around, if you don't come back to your first love in me. And I think you and I, I think we feel these warnings, right? Like when we enter into something where we're cutting corners, where, we're, where we just feel like the life is just being sucked out from under us because of the decisions and the choices and the rhythms that we choose to make. Like we feel this kind of like alarm in the back of our head that's saying, this isn't working. You probably shouldn't continue. This isn't sustainable anymore. Like, we hear these senses, we get these warnings, and we can feel like you're getting closer to the cliff. I don't know if anyone's got that car where, like, you're in reverse, and it, like, the siren beeps, you know, and so the closer you get to hitting another car, it's, like, kind of tones, it's like, beep, 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 beep. Like, you know, I think that there's, like, that warning in our head, and God is warning the nation of Israel. He's going, beep, beep, beep. Like, you're getting closer, and then sometimes, sometimes we don't heed that warning and we just smash right into it and we experience destruction. And we are undone. An event happens to where somebody else says, I can't take it anymore and a relationship is broken or we get fired or somebody finds out about our secret and there 
is destruction to pay. And whether it's in that warning or whether it's in that place of destruction, this is where God wants to meet us. Like God wants to meet us in the warning. He wants to meet us there first. He doesn't want to have to get to the place where we're just like laid bare and destroyed, but he's willing to meet us there too. And what I want us to see is that how he meets us, because it continues. He gives these warnings of destruction that's going to come, and he says here, if we continue down to verse 15, it says this. This is what the prophet says about how he's going to pursue his wife, his lover, the nation of Israel, and us. It says this, it says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, and I will bring her into the wilderness, and I will speak tenderly to her. And there I will give her vineyards, and I'll make the valley of anchor a door of hope, and there shall be an answer as in the days of her youth and at the time when she came out of Egypt. And in that day the Lord declares, You will call me my husband, and no longer will you call me my God or my Baal. For I will remove the names of Baal from her mouth, and they shall be remembered by that name no more. And I will make for them a covenant on that day with the beasts of the field, with the birds of heaven, with the creeping things on the ground, and I will abolish the bow, the sword, and war from the land, and I will make you lie down in safety. And I will betroth you to me forever, and I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and in steadfast love and mercy. And I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. God is calling out to us. God is seeking to speak tenderly to us and to woo us back to him. He is not angry with you. So much when we talk about returning and we talk about repentance, there's kind of like this judgment and wrath part, which is true. But like I said, he wants to confront that, and he confronts that completely on the cross. And so what's left is this tender heart that's wooing and calling us back and that says, I'm not angry with you. I'm not frustrated with you. I just, I just want you to return to life. I don't want to see you suffer. And I think when we understand that, we look out into the world and we just see the world and we're like, we just don't want you to suffer anymore. You've suffered enough. That's the heart of God breathing within us. And that's the heart of God that God has for us. He's like, if you would just come back, if you would just wake up to my presence and come near to me, you would find life because here in his presence, it's better. It's just better. And then when we read through the book of Hosea and we read through the book of the prophets as we're going to for the next couple of weeks, there's this refrain. And this refrain is, let us return to the Lord. Let us return to the Lord. Like as the book of Hosea increases, it's almost like this nervous like kick towards the people. Like, let us return to the Lord. Like God is good and God wants to save us. Like stop walking in the paths of destruction. And this is why we need the season of Lent. We need a season where we can just intentionally reflect back on our lives and ask the question, what is causing death and destruction and what are the paths that I'm walking on that's leading me there and how can God show up in that space and return me back to home. And in Hosea chapter 15, I mean chapter 13, there's this verse, this verse that stands out to the, to the New Testament writer Paul in 1 Corinthians. But this is the verse in Hosea. He says this, he says, I shall ransom my people, you and me, from the power of Sheol, which is death and destruction. I will ransom them from death 
O death, where are your plagues? O Sheol, where is your sting? And when we read it in 1 Corinthians, when Paul is reflecting on Jesus and the work that Jesus did on the cross, this is what Paul says. He says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable, which is us, we're that perishable. When we put on the imperishable, that is Christ. So we talk about Lent starting from this place of death and dust and it being temporal and perishable. It ends in this place of imperishableness of the resurrection of Christ. So when we put that on, when we turn back to him, when the mortal puts on the immortality, then it shall come to pass the saying that was written, and he quotes this from Hosea, the saying that will come to pass. And so it's coming to pass with us that death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ our Lord. We have victory to return back to God. We have power through the Holy Spirit to turn back from the things of bondage that are leading us to these paths of destruction and death. We have power because of Jesus to repent and begin life anew with new life right here, right now, not on the other side of eternity. He wants to heal us now. He wants us to be able to celebrate and sing together right now in our lives. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? For it is no more. We want to be able to proclaim that together as a body and as a people of God who walk in step with him. And so this is a season of returning. It's a season of confessing that we need him. And it's a season of becoming aware of God's presence that's already present to us and pursuing us. And so one of these first steps of returning, I believe, is confession. It's confessing these places where death has creeped in. It's allowing ourselves to be examined by God and for God to point out areas where we can return back to him and where our life is being stolen and shortchanged and where he can bring fulfillment and joy to it truly. So it begins with confession. But this season of Lent is also a season of fasting. We talked about prayer and fasting last week, that the, the hope of prayer and fasting isn't to just pray and fast really well and be really good at that, but to enter into the presence and the heart of God, to be able to, to, as we hunger for physical things, be filled by the love and the hope and the presence of God. That as we pray, we wouldn't just pray our prayer of needs and of lists of concerns to him, but that we would also sit and listen and hear his voice speak tenderly back to us. This wooing voice that's calling us out into the wilderness to return back to him, that we would hear that voice and that we would live in that space, that we would be be fulfilled in our prayer and in our fasting. And so as we think about fasting, a lot of times, and I said this last week, we make it about the thing that we're fasting from right? We hear a lot of people in Lent, we're like, I'm fasting from candy. Can't have candy. Fasting from candy. I just want you to know how much candy I'm fasting until Easter for, you know? And they make it about the thing they're fasting. Instead, they should be making it about Jesus. They should be making it about the thing that they're hungering towards. And they're like, it should be about, cannot believe how Jesus has shown up in my life this week as I have fasted. Fasted from what? I don't care but that we are fasting from something that where Jesus is able to show up and where we can talk and proclaim that good news to other people. Because people don't care if you're not eating candy. They really don't. 
But people might care that there's a God that is near and that wants to know them, that wants to love them, and is able to fill them up. And so as we enter into the season of prayer and of returning and of fasting, I want us to consider new ways that we could fast. Maybe we could even fast in new ways of such as like, let's just fast from anger. Like what would it look like if we just fast from anger and we were filled with peace? Or what would it look like if we fasted from anxiety and we were filled with peace? What would it look like if we fasted from like (laughs) being (laughs) passive and unattentive to being actively engaged and present? What is the thing that God is calling you to fast from that we could then turn and be filled by the fruit of his spirit in? And so as we close this message today, I want us to end our time with this prayer of confession. And so it's going to be on the screen. And so it's a prayer of confession to kind of like just kickstart us into the season of return. And I believe that you and God can kind of take it from there. We can take it into community with one another from there. And so I want us to stand and kind of just pray this prayer together. So you guys stand with me and read aloud kind of this prayer with me. And this is where we're going to end. We'll enter into a time of worship. So read with me this prayer. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. By what we have done and by what we have left undone, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we might delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Let me pray for us. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. And may you strengthen us in all goodness. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, allow us to return to life anew in you. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys go in peace this week.